Happy Easter, everybody. All right, let's talk about the fun fact section of today's worship service. Fun fact, did y'all know that before, during, and after the time of Jesus, there were other people who claimed to be the Messiah? Other people who claimed to be the Son of God? A few interesting ones, I'll name three. There was a guy named Simon of Perea who was an escaped slave who started a revolution. That was pretty cool. Another guy named Anthrogus, and he was a shepherd and got a bunch of other shepherds, and they all followed him, and he said he was the son of God. But my favorite guy is a guy named Moses of Crete. And Moses of Crete told his followers that God was sending them back to Israel via the Red Sea again, you know, the parting of the Red Sea. And then I, this book that I read, I love it, it said, so Moses of Crete and his followers attempted to cross the Red Sea with disastrous results. <laughs> That's what it said. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, and then we have Jesus, right? And Jesus is this Messiah, right? And Jesus is separated from the other people. And he's separated from the other people because we believe that Jesus rose again from the dead, right? That's, that's sort of the big thing. That's what we're celebrating today. Happy resurrection, right? Right, right. Uh, <laughs> except that I, Jesus didn't really make it very certain. Like, I wish Jesus would have, right? Like, it was Passover when Jesus was resurrected. Now, Passover is when hundreds of thousands of people are all together in one spot. And it would have been nice for Jesus to get up and just be like, I'm back, right? Like to hundreds of thousands. But he doesn't. If it was today's time, he would have gotten on Twitter. They would have been like, resurrected. And then people would have been like, but his account is hacked. But then they would have given him like the, the little check mark. And they would have been like, they would be like, oh, he is resurrected. Whoa. But Jesus doesn't do that. And so I love it because in scripture it says, Jesus, Jesus, the resurrected Jesus came and taught and some worshiped, but others doubted. I like that. I like that. It means we're in good company, right? Some worshiped and others doubted. And so I think every Easter, I, I kind of come to a place where I'm like, what makes our Messiah different from the other Messiahs that I mentioned if we don't know for certain that Jesus was resurrected? That's what I always think. And here's what I've come to over the years. I've come to this place where I don't necessarily need to know anymore. In fact, I don't care to know anymore. In fact, we're never going to know, Okay. That's not what it's about. In fact, if you go to this church and you're here a lot, then you know we say all the time, we're way more interested in asking good questions rather than having the right answers or knowing, right? We like living in that mystery. But here's the thing. The reason I choose to believe in the resurrected Jesus Christ, and it is a choice, the reason I choose to believe is because Christ doesn't make those public announcements. It's all about his personal encounters. And that's why I choose to believe in the resurrected Christ. I want to tell a couple stories of personal encounters that lead me to choose to believe in the resurrected Christ. Y'all down to listen? Yeah. I love talking about Mary Magdalene, one of my favorites. Uh, theologians have given her such a bad reputation, but she's an amazing woman, one of the first evangelicals, super uh, incredibly witty and smart, and, and brings us to this place. It's a giant part of the history of Christianity. And Mary Magdalene has this encounter. It says this, Now Mary stood outside of the tomb crying, and as she wept, she bent over to look in the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. And at this she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. And he asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? And thinking he was a gardener, she said, Sir, you had carried him away. Tell me where you've put him, and I will get him. And Jesus says to her, Mary, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. 
And Jesus says, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my Father and your Father to my God and your God. Now, if you come to this church, every single time I preach about Mary, you know what I got to say. Mary was the first preacher. She was the first missionary. She was the first person to spread the good news of the gospel. Can we please stop saying that women can't preach? Let's stop that right now. It's in our Bible. All right? She's the first. That's done. Now, why else? Why else do I love Mary? Well, listen, I love Mary because, um, because the scripture says she's been healed of seven demons. Now, in today's context, I don't quite know what that means. What does it mean to be healed by? I'm not sure. But I think we know that somebody who has what was called in those days demons, there's, there's a, a lot of sorrow there, right? There's a lot of pain there. And the truth of the matter is I think each and every one of us can identify with that pain, that sorrow. As someone who's a sufferer of depression, there have been days where I have woken up and I've been like, I am just not going to experience joy today. Anybody else with me? Anybody else ever feel that? There are times uh, when, when a spouse leaves us or a partner leaves us, and that's the end of our world. There are times when we're in such a terrible financial situation, we're like, I don't even know what to do. There are times when our children face challenges, and if you're a parent, that's incredibly painful to watch our children suffer. And that brings sorrow. It brings deep, deep sorrow, this, this pain, and we don't know when that pain will end. And what I do is I love what Jesus does in the midst of Mary's sorrow. What he does is he calls her by name, Mary. She recognizes him. It's a big deal to be called out by name, isn't it? Y'all think? When we're little kids, it's a, kind of a bad deal to be called out by name, isn't it? We're running around, jumping off couches, hitting our sisters. It's, it's me. And our mom or our parent or whoever's like, stop. And we're like, blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden, Jonathan Stone Williams. That's my middle name. And you know when that happens, it's serious, right? It's intimate. There's something intimate about being called by your name. A couple weeks ago, I preached in Colorado at a church that we partner with. It's called Left Hand Church. And y'all, I bombed. <laughs> you should be happy that you weren't there because it was bad. And I felt really bad about it. Like, I was like, man, I didn't do very well. This stinks. And my dad's a part of that church, so she calls me. And she's like, how'd it go? And I go, it went really poorly. It was bad. And she goes, I don't think it was that bad. And I go, dad, it was terrible. Let me tell you why. So I start rattling off all the reasons that it was bad. And, and my dad just stops. My dad goes, Johnny. Now listen, only my dad can call me Johnny. <laughs> and one other person. And I didn't hear it the first time. He goes, Johnny. And I stopped. My dad goes, I reckon it's going to be okay. And that was it. And there's something about being called that name, because when I was called that name, what it was is there's this intimacy, there's this sense of security, there's this sense uh, that even though things feel like they're in upheaval right now, that truly, legitimately, it could be okay. There's hope in that. There's security in it. And that's what I felt from my dad, who knows me, knows all my weaknesses, knows all my pains, knows all the stupid things I've done calls me by name, and says, I reckon it's going to be okay. And I love the personal encounter of the resurrected Jesus Christ. You see, if Christ comes back on Twitter, Christ can't call us by name. He can't get intimate, can't get personal with us. And so it's in that, in that, in that person that we hear our names called. And here's the thing with sorrow. It might not get better today. It might not get better tomorrow. We don't know when it's going to get better with that kind of sorrow. But just like Jesus says to Mary, which he does, he says, Mary, 
there's hope. I reckon it's going to be okay. And that's an encounter with the resurrected Christ that we get to take with us. We get to call others out by name. We get to hear our name called out and know that intimacy. That is the good news of the resurrection. There's one more story. Story of a guy named Peter. You ever hear of Peter? He's a disciple. Nobody's ever heard of him, huh? <laughs> All right. Guy named Peter. Peter was a disciple. And, uh, and Peter denies Jesus. Not once, but three times. Have you ever denied Jesus before? I have. When I was like 11... My friend was like, hey, man, all of us are going to this soccer game on Sunday, but you, because you have to go to church. I was like, I don't believe in Jesus. I'm not going. He was like, sure, and sure enough, my mom made me go to church. <laughs> Denying Jesus didn't work that time. But he denies Jesus, I think, in a, in a more serious way, where Jesus is hanging on a cross. And here's Peter, who has, who has gone with Jesus, who has given up his life for Jesus, his job, his family, Security, given up everything, and it follows Jesus and sees healing and sees Jesus being selfless and proclaiming a love that has never been proclaimed before. And here we have Jesus on the cross, and Peter's like, if Jesus is on the cross, that means chances are I might be on the cross too real soon, and what I need to do is not be selfless, but selfish. I need to save myself. So he gets the fake passport. He's like working to go to you know, a country that won't extradite him and all the rest. And what happens? Somebody comes up and is like, hey... You're, you were with that guy. You know that guy. And Peter goes, no. No, I don't. I don't. Not once, but three different times. And then Peter weeps. Why does Peter weep? Out of shame. Shame is real. Shame happens when we do something to hurt others. I've done my fair share of things to hurt others. I've, I have my fair share of shame over that. When something happens to us, when there's an abuse that happens to us, there's a shame that comes from that. There's a shame that comes uh, from church, Big C Church, that has told a lot of people that they aren't quite loved the way they are. Right? People who identify as LGBTQIA, you've been told, oh, you're not quite loved this way, you need to change. There's shame in that. And by the way, I'm terribly sorry you've been told that in a church. There's shame when systems are set up Systems are set up to tell people in this country that they are not worth it. That when people are looking for better lives, that they're now considered subhuman. There is shame in that, and shame is real. When I'm feeling personal shame, I stand up here and preach, and I'm preaching grace for you, and I'm preaching love for you, and I'm preaching mercy for you. But when I feel shame, it's not for me. I don't deserve it. You ever feel that kind of shame? I don't deserve it. This is what happens. Jesus is resurrected. And Jesus is cooking breakfast on a beach because when you're resurrected, you get really hungry. <laughs> it's, it's such a dad joke. It's a dad joke all the way. And what happens? Jesus calls Peter, right? He calls Peter to eat. And this is what happens. When they finished eating, Jesus said to Peter, Simon, son of John, I love it, right? Calls him by name. We see it again. Do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. And again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus says, feed my sheep. Y'all know that the Bible wasn't written in English? It wasn't. 
It was written in Greek and Hebrew and a couple other languages, and the Greek here is beautiful. Because what the Greek does in this is Jesus says, do you love me? And Jesus uses the Greek word, which is agape. You ever hear of agape love? It's a really big love. It's a, it's, it's a love without limit. It's a love um, uh, that, it, uh, that transcends all boundaries. And so Jesus says, Peter, do you love me with this love that is without limits, that transcends all boundaries? And Peter says, I love you. But Peter uses a different Greek word, philio, which is like a brotherly love. It's actually like a love of friendship. It doesn't transcend boundaries. It's kind of a limited love. Peter says, I have a limited love for you, God. And why does Peter do that? Because he has a limited love? No. Peter does it because he's ashamed. Right? When we're ashamed, we don't believe we can be loved. And then we don't believe we can give love. Right? That's what happens. And so I hear my voice in Peter saying, yes, Lord, I love you, but I'm ashamed. I've hurt you. And so I've already shown you I can't give you unlimited love by denying you. And so I'm just going to be honest. Jesus asks again, do you love me without limits? Do you, do you love me agape love? Once again, Peter says, filial love. Third time, do you love me without limits? And Peter says, Lord, you know me. That's what he says, you know me. And what's he saying? He's saying, Lord, you know every stupid thing I've done. You know I denied you. You know I messed up so badly that I don't feel like I can ever get this right. You know all that. And what Jesus says is, good, Go feed my sheep. Go lead my people. What, what Jesus is saying in this personal encounter, Jesus is saying, Peter, your shame does not disqualify you. It qualifies you to lead my people. It qualifies you. You are loved and affirmed and you are perfect, made in the image of God just the way you are. Go feed my sheep. Go lead my people. Go tell my people the same good news. Y'all, a lot of times we say to ourselves, we go, um, you know what? I can lead or I can do this thing once I get my life in order or once I settle in or, or once I get over this addiction or once I forgive myself for this or, or once that person forgives me, then I, then I can. And what Jesus is saying to each and every one of us is no, you are made perfectly in the image of God. Your shame is a lie. You're perfect. You're affirmed. You're included. Now go out there and let everybody else know about the good news. And that is good news to my LGBTQIA community. You are affirmed, you are loved, you're included, full stop. That is good news. That is the news of the resurrection to people who are treated in a way um, where they're marginalized and oppressed by systems. We fix that because there is good news that there is equity for all of us, regardless of who we are. And if Jesus announces this to the whole crowd, then we don't get to know that our shame is a lie. I don't need to know. I just need to look at these personal encounters and I just need to see that there's good news in the resurrected Christ in them. And so we get to go out and we get to share just like Peter did. What did Peter do? He goes to the Gentiles and he goes to the Gentiles and he said, you who have been told you're out all the time, I've been there, I felt that. And that shame, that's a lie. You are in. And in doing that over and over, Peter changes history for the cause of Christ. We are here today because of that. Amen. So here's the thing, this Easter Sunday, I don't want to know. I want to live out the personal encounters of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what I want to do. That's why I choose to believe. There's this quote I use all the time. And by all the time, I mean once a year on Easter. <laughs> and it says this, we are celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But if it takes not place in me, what avails it? 
Everything lies in this, that it should take place in me. So we get to live out the personal encounters, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We have that opportunity. So the question becomes for us, how do we live those encounters out? How do we do it? Last year, a friend of mine told me an incredible story. Um, she identifies as Caribbean American, and there's a man named Stephen Clark who was shot in Sacramento. So she goes to work that day, and she's just mourning. She's grieving. Another person of color shot. Another person of color killed. She's, she's struggling. She said that a coworker came up to her, just looked her in the face, and said, I see you. And that was it. That is an encounter with the resurrected Christ. That's how we live this out. There was a time in my life where the struggle was real, where depression had a hold of me. And I remember I went and met with my friend, and he's the only other person that calls me Johnny, except he says it like this, Johnny! <laughs> so he did that. And we sat down, and we didn't talk very much. And for two hours, we just hung out. And he goes, Johnny, love you, brother. That is an encounter with the resurrected Christ. Every single time that we go to somebody and we say, hey, you know what? You're forgiven. That's, a that's, a, that's an encounter with the resurrected Christ. Every time somebody comes to us and says, you, you are forgiven, that's an encounter with the resurrected Christ. Whenever someone calls us by name, that's an encounter with the resurrected Christ. So today, how do we live out that resurrected Christ? Now, maybe today you need to hear your name. You need to feel that intimacy. If so, there's someone right over here on the side of the stage who's going to pray with you. Take advantage of that. Maybe today there's something long-standing, a relationship, something that's, that feels broken or a shame that, that feels like it can't be fixed. Today is the day that we live out the resurrection. We can change that encounter. I challenge you to do it. And no, I don't need to know about this resurrection. The reason that our church exists, the reason I believe in each and every one of us, the reason that I believe in the goodness of God because God doesn't care about the public announcements. Jesus doesn't care about the public announcements. It's all about life-changing, redeeming, history-making personal encounters. And we get to live out the resurrection too. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. God, thank you for the privilege, the privilege of your son and the resurrection. God, thank you for the privilege of living out the resurrection. Thank you for the privilege of being free. Thank you for the privilege of being loved without qualification. Thank you for that privilege, God. God, we thank you that when we don't get it right, that there is grace enough for all. We pray this in your precious and amazing holy name. Amen.